Has he made you glad? Amen. Amen. One more time, stand with me. I want to dismiss all of our Sunday school nursery here today. Amen. 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 God can make you glad. Amen. Amen. I want to just say today's a very, very special occasion. Uh, today we have a very special guest. The Sergeant family are just incredible people. Travel all over the country preaching and teaching and uh, we are so privileged to have them with us. I, I love this man. I've been telling the church a little bit about him, a friend of ours, and so just incredible preacher, just, just an awesome person to be around. It's one thing, amen, to just be an incredible preacher in order, but this is, this is just a dear family, and we love them, and just been so privileged to get to know them, and I know that God is going to speak a word here today. If you've come to church and you need to hear from the Lord, today is your day. Amen. And so if we could at this time, can we put our hands together if we welcome Brother Darren Sargent as he comes to preach. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. I love what I feel in God's house. Amen. Good to be. Why don't y'all just, you can be seated for just a moment. And, uh, I just want to say how much of an honor it is to be with this church and to be with your fine pastor and his wife. And uh, I have affectionately called his kids for several years. You got Jude, you got Max, and Remax. And um, these are, you know, one thing I told my wife driving up because I saw, I saw Max and Klein out in the snow playing. I said, they are all boy. And uh, they've always been that way. And I, uh, I just, I love their kids. And, of course, your pastor and his wife have become dear friends of mine over the last several years. I don't think, well, I know you know it, but I don't know if you really know how blessed you are to have Brother and Sister Nolan leading them. Now, we know behind every good man is a good woman. And we know it couldn't be possible without Sister Nolan, but... I love these people. They are, they are just uh, tremendous, tremendous people. And uh, my, my life has been enriched over the last several years. I was trying to think this weekend when we actually met. And it had to be at least 10 years ago. Maybe not quite, but seems like it has. And you meet those people in life that you instantly know that you're probably going to have a connection with. And... Your pastor and his family have been that, and uh, I'm just honored to be here today to feel the presence of the Lord. Hasn't God been good to anybody? Amen. Praise God. Now, my wife and I just recently, February of last year, resigned a church that we pastored for 16 years in Escondido, California, San Diego, and some of you are thinking, why in the world would you leave there? Uh, we moved from there to St. Louis, Missouri. Now it even gets worse. But I told people all the time it was costing me an arm and a leg to live out there, and I was already halfway invested. <laughs> I had to get out of there, so I didn't want to lose anything else. But we've recently transitioned our life and ministry and, and everything. We have a son who's married, lives in Columbus, Indiana, and then a daughter who just graduated from IBC is home with us. But I have a feeling that uh, this year uh, she's going to be getting hitched and I'm trying to scare the guy off. It ain't working. All I can do is threaten him that if you come any closer, I'm going to cut your arm off because I need one. But, um, and then a youngest daughter who just is her, in her first year at IBC. So we've been connected over the last few years to this area. 
And uh, I'll say this, it's cold, y'all. It's just cold. Dear Lord, have mercy. This SoCal boy is, I'm going to get used to it eventually. But so good to have my wife with me. I want her to come for just a moment, greet you. This is my everything right here. This lady is a trooper. I've drug her all over the country. Amen. I pay him to say that, you guys. So uh, it's so good to be in the house of God and just the beautiful spirit that I've already felt here. You're, you're, I want to compliment you on your church. It looks so beautiful. It's so gorgeous. And uh, your lovely pastor's wife is so sweet. And I'm, I know I've met them before, but I said I turned 50 and y'all know. You just, you don't even know your own name half the time. So I'm thankful. I was reading in the word of God today that uh, Proverbs 30 and 5, every word of God is pure and he is a shield unto them who put their trust in him. And the older I get, the more I realize that when I will trust the Lord with everything, things that I don't understand, things the way, he knows the way that I take. If I will read his word, it is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, and I know I can trust him. So I'm going to tell you today, if you walked into this house and there are things that you're battling and you're saying, God, I don't really understand how you're going to take care of it. You know what? You really don't have to understand how he's going to take care of it. That's the beauty of it. You just say, God, I trust you. You are a shield for me. And I know he's going to do great things today. And we are excited to be with you guys. Amen. Praise God. Well. If you have your Bible this morning, I'm going to invite you, if you want to stand with me just for the reading of the Word real quick, I'm going to invite you to Psalm 111, then we're going to go to Jeremiah 18, and um, I want to say something. Um, I raised three, my wife and I did, she did most of the raising, but we raised three kids, and we raised them as pastor's kids, and they didn't always make the right decisions. Has any of your kids made all the right decisions? Some of y'all like, ain't no way. Amen. This morning I knew I was about ready to take them out, you know. But I want to say something. When you honor the pastor's kids, as crazy as they might seem sometimes, because I've been around them, when you honor them, you honor this lady right here. And when you give honor and respect to the children of your pastor and his wife, it does more. You could buy her a brand new BMW, which might be a good idea. I don't know if you like BMW. Did that work? But what works more than that is just by honoring their family. And you bring such hope and such joy to their lives by doing that. And I can tell this church is a church that loves people. And um, I, I just honor you. I honor you. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost here this morning, and I believe that God wants to talk to us. And uh, I want to go to Psalm 111, verse number 1. It says, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious. His righteousness endureth forever. He hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He hath showed his people the power of his works that he may give them the heritage of the heathen. The works of his hands are verity and judgment. All his commandments 
for sure. Go with me to Jeremiah 18. Verse number one says this, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, go down to the potter's hand and house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house. Behold, he wrought a work on the wheels, and the vessel that he made of clay, watch this, was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. I want to just talk to us this morning for a few moments on the works of his hands. The works of his hands. Hands. Can we clap our hands one more time to the Lord? Just give him thanks. God, I praise you. And I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you're doing in this house and in the lives of people. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. God bless you. Many have stated over the course of time that life is a journey. It's not always, they say, about the destination. The point being is that the road to where every one of us are going in life is just as important or maybe even more so as the destination is. I've looked over my life often in times of reflection and I've noticed the importance of the journey in my own life. The lessons that I have learned on this path called life tend to become the fabric of what my life and your life is made up of. I submit to you this morning that the destination is important. The road that every one of us are traveling down is important. Where we end up in life, of course, is of utmost concern. But the journey, this journey, the road to where you are going is the very path that teaches all of us some important lessons on living along the way? What lessons do we learn as we go through life, as we raise children, as we endure the struggles of finances and marriage and sickness and the things that come across? What is God trying to teach every one of us along the path called life as we go in and out day by day? When we look in scripture this morning, we notice that God wants to teach a prophet by the name of Jeremiah a lesson. So he directs Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house and watch as the, as the potter pulls the clay from the ground and molds it into something of value. The simple and familiar craft of this potter becomes a parable of truth and power that can help every single one of us that are in this building this morning. As important as the destination was for Jeremiah, the journey down to the potter's house was equally as important. The potter's house was a place that God wanted Jeremiah to go to, to see the way that the potter pulled from the ground and worked with the clay. Jeremiah commits to the journey because he says he goes down there in order to experience something that God wanted to teach him, a revelation that God had for him. He had to take this trip in order to, to discover the spiritual artists that work on the clay. Jeremiah had to commit to the road. He had to take the journey. He had to leave 
the comforts of home and where he was in order to go down and have some of the questions that he was now having with God working in the nation of Israel. He was wondering what was going on. So this lesson, this journey, this trip down to the potter's house was very, very vital. Now, I know we all want to focus on the destination and what is discovered there, but what about the road? Think back over your life. I am, I am just a, 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 a short 29 years of age. I don't know why everybody laughs when I say that, but think about your destination. Think about the road that every single one of you have been on. Think about the journey over the last 20, 30, 40 years of your life. And I, I know we want to talk about where we end up, but what about the road? Why is the road sometimes so rough? Why must there be a going down sometimes before there ever can be a coming up? I, I stand before you this morning totally understanding the difficulty that the journey that often many of us find ourselves on, how it can be. I stand here knowing the struggle and the pain, the questions and the transitions and frustrations, the loneliness and the trials that we often find ourselves facing and we often ask God that somehow that we can just eliminate this journey, if we can bypass this storm, if we can just maybe get around this trial and get to a place where things are a little more easier, but God God has something that all of us need to learn and that journey even though he may be able to eliminate it from your life amen you'll never know some things that God wants you to know unless you take the journey down to the potter's house where God has answers for every single thing that you are facing the road to the potter's house was just as important as the destination was now, I imagine there were times that the road got narrow for Jeremiah, times that he didn't know if he was going to make it through to his final destination. I imagine that there were, there were moments that he had to avoid the, the potholes the scattered along the way. I can even imagine that, the, that what may have been on the road that Jeremiah had to stop for and, and discuss sometimes the situation. See, Israel was facing some very trying times. They were about ready to be led into captivity in Babylon and people had questions. What are you doing, God? Prophet Jeremiah, why is God allowing this to happen to us? And Jeremiah may have not had all the answers. This is why God was sending him to the potter's house. But there on the journey, no doubt, there were those that stopped him and said, Jeremiah, please, could you just give us a little bit of hope? And Jeremiah, not knowing really what to say, said, you know what? I haven't heard everything I need to hear from God. Uh, I can't get distracted on my destination. I can't let things that I'm going through right now keep me from the ultimate purpose uh, of why I'm living. Can I just be honest with you? We've been through the last two years of a pandemic that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Uh, it has been something that has rocked our world, our nation, our economy, uh, our families. Uh, but I do know this. Uh, in the middle of it all, God is not surprised uh, and God knows where we're at. And I also believe that when it's all said and done, the church is going to rise up with authority and power and revival like we've never seen before. You know, it's easy to get distracted. Hello? It's easy to get distracted. Squirrel? Squirrel? 
You know what I'm saying? You're just you're on the road and something just gets your attention. I've often wondered how many times Moses walked by that bush. I've often wondered how many times he walked that path until God lit it on fire and the Bible says he turned aside to see and he, God got his attention. I believe God's working in the church right now getting our attention for what he is about ready to do and is doing. Now, I do not believe we need to stick our head in the proverbial sand, amen, and just wait for something to come along that's better. God can work in the storm. God can work in the trial. God can work, hello. So here is Jeremiah going down to the house of a potter. He goes down in order to learn some things that God wanted him to learn. Sometimes the journey down is just as important as the journey up. Jonah had to go down to Tarshish. Jonah had to go down into the ship. Jonah had to go down into the belly of a whale or a great fish. And then he was able to come up. Maybe God is allowing things to kind of appear right now in your life and in our world that you're going down. But I got good news for you. There's coming something that's going to bring you to a place of understanding and clarity and faith and revival and renewal. I do not believe the best days are behind us. I believe for Connection Point, the best days are ahead of you. It's just a matter of where you're looking. Are you looking down or are you looking up? Amen. Look to the hills from whence cometh your help. Amen. So once Jeremiah completes the journey on the road down to the potter's house, we are then made privy to what was taught to this great prophet of old. Once Jeremiah got down to the potter's house, God began to speak to him. God began to reveal to Jeremiah some things that were transpiring in the lives of his people. He was taking the, the way that the potter worked the clay to teach Jeremiah a lesson that would apply not only to his life but to the lives of God's people. And it's that same thing that is happening today and over the next few moments I want to look at this and I want to dissect it because Jeremiah even though he was in the midst of frustration and uncertainty he began to learn what the reason is uh, that the potter had placed in, in this life uh, to teach him. He did not get his flash of insight while he was praying but while he was watching the potter uh, amen. as the potter was engaging in his daily work God reveals uh, himself to us sometimes uh, in strange places and in unexpected seasons. Uh, for instance he once revealed himself in a stable. It didn't make sense uh, but there's a baby lying in a manger uh, and God showed the world uh, what that could be. Uh, I'm here to tell somebody today quit looking at what you think is the problem uh, and start looking uh, at the size of the God uh, that is still in control. So the potter, let's talk about this potter because there's so many lessons here. The potter has much to reveal to Jeremiah, but he may have missed it if he was not willing to take the trip and travel the road down to the potter's house. 
How much have we missed in our lives that God wanted to teach us? Because maybe we turned back or stopped somewhere on the path between the word and the fulfillment of that word. I, I feel like I am preaching to somebody this morning that has wanted to let the potter work in their life and situation. But the journey down to the potter's house has become so treacherous that you have just about given up. I've come with a simple word for you today. Hang on. Hang on. There is a lesson to be learned in the working of the potter. So when Jeremiah gets down to the potter's house, he notices the way that the potter pulls from the ground the clay and puts it on the wheel that it may become what he's already determined for it to become in his mind. The potter already knew what he was making the moment he reached down and grabbed this lump of clay. And in the story of the potter, we see him taking nothing and making something out of it because the potter already had an image in his mind. The Bible said that the vessel that he made of clay, now that's a very strange statement to me because the Bible calls it a vessel when all it was was basically still a lump of clay. And God says some things about some of us that doesn't appear to be what we think it should be. But God goes ahead and calls you what you're going to be while you still are what you are. He says we are holy and unblameable, and yet there's evidence in every one of our lives that dispute those biblical facts. Uh, so why is it that God says some things about us in his word that seemingly are untrue, like we are righteous and we are whole and we are holy? The reason God... God does that is God has the ability to call those things that are not as though they already are. What does God do? God goes ahead and calls you what you are going to be while you still are what you are. Because if anybody knows what he's doing, it's God that knows. He knows you're victorious. He knows you're healed. He knows your marriage is coming back together. He knows. I may not see it, but God sees it, uh, and I'm thankful that he does. It's not premature for God to call a lump of clay a vessel because he knows he is able to make it become what he already has in his mind. Can I just tell somebody today, your past, it can't stop him. Your current condition can't stop him. Your home life, your problem, whatever, it cannot stop him. He has a plan for you. All you've got to do is get down on the road to the potter's house. You may not be all of that yet, but he is able to perform it. I am thankful that God puts his hands in our lives to work on us when there's evidence that we don't have a whole lot to offer. I'm thankful that God chose one day to reach his hand down into my life uh, when it didn't look like I had a whole lot to offer and begin to fashion and shape it and make it into what he wants it to become. And someone say amen. amen. Now the potter understands something. In order for the lump of clay to become a vessel, a vessel that can be used in the master's hand, it has to go through a forming process. Everyone say forming. For just a few moments this morning, I want to deal with two concepts. The concepts of forming and the concepts of filling. Everyone say forming, say filling. You will notice that the Bible doesn't say anything about the vessel being filled. It just says that it was a vessel, but we understand that vessels are made 
to be filled. The filling is not the issue that God is trying to get Jeremiah to understand. He was trying to get Jeremiah to see the importance of the potter forming the clay. Allow me a moment to step back and preach a concept that I have thought about for years and have preached on occasion because of the power of its truth. In the book of Genesis, when it discusses the act of creation, there seems to be two accounts of God creating humanity at one point the Bible states that God created man. The Hebrew word used for the word create in Genesis is the word bara which means God created man without the aid of anything that was in, in existence. There was, no, there was no substance. He used a recipe. He created humanity without anything. He created man by just opening his mouth and speaking and man was. But then when you journey to the next chapter you discover that God formed man the bible says and the word the hebrew word used here for formed is a word called yasar which means that god formed man from something that already was in existence and we know what that is because the bible tells us he formed man from the dust of the earth so at one point the bible says that god didn't use anything that was already in existence to make man but then at another point, it says that God formed man from the dust of the ground. He used a recipe, if you will. How could this be? For you and I to fully understand this concept, we got to understand that all of us are a tripart being. We have a soul, a spirit. We're comprised of spirit, soul, and body. And when God speaks of creating man in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, I believe that he is speaking of the spirit of man, the imago Dei, they call it, the likeness of God. God created the spirit of man, but when he talks about the body, he formed the body from the dust of the ground, and he takes the spirit which he created, and he blows it into the body in which he had formed, and the Bible says man becomes a living soul. All of a sudden, Adam became aware of himself. He said, hey, I, I, I've got fingers, and I've got to have feet, and I've got eyes and ears, and I've got toes, and I can move, and I can walk. Hear me this morning. Do you know that you will never know? who you are till the breath of the almighty God breathes in you when God breathes in you and when God breathes on you you become aware of yourself I'm preaching to people today that the enemy would love to run over but I got a word for you the breath of God is in this house to breathe on you to help you amen to recognize who you are in God God breathed in Adam and Adam started walking and talking and decreeing and moving and claiming and subduing things and having dominion. But he couldn't do anything without God filling what he had formed. I want to submit to this church. I want to submit to the heart of this church. I want to submit to every family. This is what I felt so burdened to preach this morning. God is in the business of filling what he forms. God formed the earth and filled it with vegetation, cattle, and crops. God formed the sky and filled it with birds. God formed the sea and filled it with fish. God formed man and filled him with divine life. God formed the tabernacle and filled it with 
furniture. God formed the temple and filled it with Shekinah glory. God formed the church in Acts 2 and filled it with the Holy Ghost. God formed the dry bones in the valley and breathed the breath of life into them. What are you saying, preacher? I'm simply saying, if God goes through the trouble of forming you, if God goes through the trouble of shaping you, if God goes through the trouble of you facing trial and storm and situation, it's because God is about ready to fill your life with blessing and healing and unction. That's what God does. God fills whatever he forms. You don't understand one-armed preacher that, that, that's extremely handsome. That was a joke too. You don't understand what I'm going through. I may not know what you're facing. I may not know what's going on in the forming. But I've learned this. The greater the forming, the greater the filling, the more you go through being formed, it's a sign that God is about ready to deposit into your life some things uh, that you never thought would happen. I don't care how dark the night. I got a God that says uh, morning times are coming. Uh, I don't care how rough the road. Uh, I got a God on a Sunday morning uh, that believes uh, when this is all said and done, uh, you're going to walk out of here with victory. You're going to walk out of here with peace. The greater the forming, the greater the filling. I mentioned before I started, my wife and I spent 20 years plus in SoCal, raised our family there, pastored in Los Angeles area for four years, and went and took church in Escondido, California, just north of San Diego, beautiful area. God did some incredible things. We fought some battles. Dear Lord, we fought some battles. I don't know why I'm even talking about it, but just feel led to for just a moment. There were times my wife and I thought, dear Lord, what have we got ourselves into? We're living in paradise, but the fight was real. The struggle was hard. The spirits of the world and the enemy would fight us. We'd get a little traction. We'd get a little traction and all of a sudden something would flare up and people would get upset and they'd get mad at each other and they'd leave the church, get mad at God, leave the church. And I often thought, I said, God, what in the world? Come on, God says, I'm forming you. I'm forming you. I just feel like telling the heart of this church. God's been forming this church for some, I don't know the history. I've briefly talked to your pastor about it. He didn't give me a list. Didn't, didn't email the emailed me the history of his church. I still want to know why his wife married him, but that has nothing to do with this. <laughs> but I feel like the Lord dropped into my spirit, Pastor, to tell you: the greater the forming, the greater the filling. I want to tell some dear saints of God that are fighting hell and high water: hang on. There's a filling coming. There's a blessing coming. 
I got a whole lot more I could preach, but I feel the Holy Ghost just to stop right here and let someone know that God's about ready to show you what he can do. It may feel like you're in the darkest part of your life, but I got a word for you. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy's coming, light's coming, hope's coming, healing's coming, deliverance is coming, peace is coming, restoration is coming, revival is coming. You just got to hang on through the forming. You just got to hang on when your life feels like it's going upside down. You just got to hang on when you don't know where to turn. Stand with me. I'm going to wrap this up because I feel like God wants to do something. Listen to me for just a moment. My wife and I took a small church, Van Nuys, California. Van Nuys, California. This is in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. It's near Burbank and Hollywood, North Hollywood. I mean, it's right, right smack dab in the middle of all this mess. Van Nuys is known as the porn capital of the world. It's where all the adult studios are. It's a vile place. You could drive in to the valley and you just feel the oppression. You could feel the darkness. 22, 23 people voted us in. 2001, I thought, my Lord, we have made it big time. It was about as dead as Job's turkey. It was just quiet. No one really worshipped. It was, we, they didn't have the atmosphere like y'all have here where the spirit of the Lord just kind of, it was kind of dry. In four years' time, God helped us. In our last service there, we saw upwards over 100 people and we moved thinking, okay, God, you're, you got us, we got the church to this point, it's time for us to take on a new challenge. Huh. We had no idea what we fixed it to get into. I had two hands during that time. Just kidding. Your pastor actually cut my arm off. <laughs> Forgot to tell that part. Oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't him, it was actually his wife. <laughs> Just kidding. We know that's not happening. I was born like this, so I'll, I'll, I'll rest all the we get to Escondido, and man, we start having kicking church. Revival's breaking out. Then all of a sudden, hell decided to wake up, open its door, and say, I'm here. When we left there just last year, it was one of the most challenging moments of our lives. Not going to go into all the detail. Still dealing with some of the effects of some of the things that happened but God reminded me I form you so I can fill you got my helper here this morning you gonna play drums for me buddy all right that was the dude that was running the altar running the aisles giving the offering I love it but I feel like God begin to speak into my spirit I'm working on you because I got something to put into your life you see the vessel that he formed the Bible said was made of clay but it also says something interesting it says that the vessel that he made of clay was marred that means it was cracked it was flawed it had a breaking in the hand of the potter it was in the hand of the potter but it experienced a flaw. 
I think that could speak to every one of our lives here this morning. We're in God's hands, but we've got some issues. We're in God's hands, but we got some problems. We're in God's hands, but there's a marring. And the Bible said that he made it again another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make it. He didn't take the vessel that was cracked and throw it away. He just began to remake the same vessel. I got a word for somebody in this house today. Your mistakes, uh, they are not something that pushes God away. Uh, your hurts and your bumps and your bruises uh, are not things that God looks at and says I can't do anything with he made it again another vessel that seemed good to the potter to make it I don't care how you may enter how you may have entered into this house I don't care how broken busted disgusted you may be with God there's always an opportunity to be made again in his image that he made of clay it was marred in the hands but throughout this story there's a common denominator that just runs through this story seems like everything is shifting you're going from the ground to the wheel to the spinning of the wheel to the, the to the remaking of the vessel it seems like things are shifting but there is a common denominator that i've simply come by to tell somebody in this house the vessel that he made of clay may have been marred in the hands of the potter but it was always in his I don't care what you're facing, you're in his hand. I don't care what's been broken in your life, you're in his hand. I don't care what hurt you're dealing with. Uh, I don't care what pain you brought into church today. You're in the hand of the potter. And in his hand, uh, there is healing. Uh, and in his hand, there is restoration. I wonder if we could throw our hands up in the air right now and just thank God uh, that we've always been in his hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're in your hand. You haven't forgot about us. Uh, the Bible says that he has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. Uh, the Bible tells us that in his hands uh, there is joy forever. There's a story, and I'm going to close with this. The Spirit of the Lord is here. There's a story of the island called Molokai, which is in Hawaii, and in the 1800s, there was a chapel that had a priest that would minister, and he would welcome the people into the chapel. He would take care of them, and he began to notice that some of these family members were deeply disturbed because on the island of Molokai they had sent their family members who had leprosy. The priest one day got such a burden to minister on the island of Molokai that he wrote his superiors and he asked, could I go and minister to the lepers on the island of Molokai? His response was, you, you don't need to do that. You're going to end up getting leprosy. You're going to die. He said, I feel such a burden. I feel like there's just, 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 they need hope out there. They need peace. And finally, the superiors granted him the request. 
And he went by boat out to the island of Molokai, and there he became a leper priest. They had such disdain for life, but he began to teach them dignity. He would take care of their sores and their wounds. This was kind of interesting to me, but it said that there was a couple lepers that wanted to learn to play the piano, but both of them were missing. One was missing a left arm, the other was missing a right arm. It's like my cousins. <laughs> But he talked them to play the piano together. He buried their dead instead of just throwing them out into a field like they had done for years to where the wild beasts could get a hold of them. He took care of them day in and day out. Till one day while he was preparing, he just kept getting closer and closer and closer in dealing and living life with the lepers. And one day it said, story that I read said that he spilled some scalding water on his feet and he didn't feel it. And suddenly he found himself a leper, priest among the lepers. Leprosy began to take his own body. The story goes on to say that finally the priest died. And they took his body back to Belgium where they were going to bury it. And the lepers wrote a letter to the government of Belgium and said, could you just at least give us part? of the priests back here on our island. They said, we can't do that. said, all we want is just the hand, the one that took care of us, the hand that ministered to us, the hand that touched us, the hand that took care of our wounds. So they sent back the right hand of the priest to the leper colony. I want to just remind somebody today, my God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I don't care what you're dealing with. The hand of God is at work in you today to form and shape and heal and redeem and restore. I don't know what you're dealing with. I don't know what challenges are in your life. I don't know what you face, but I do know that the work of the hand of God is the most incredible thing. Everything God created, he opened his mouth and preached his way into the creation of the universe. But notice, when it came down to the creation of humanity, the Bible said he formed man from the dust of the ground. Man is the only thing God created that needs the hand of God to touch it. And he's here today. I want us to lift our hands one more time. If you need something from the Lord and you're comfortable to come down to this altar, if you need the hand of God to touch your life and touch